man, I always have this horrible paranoia that I'm going to have, like, my fly open or something. I don't see that. <laughs> okay. So, uh... <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so uh, I'm, as she said, I'm Shane, and this is Alyssa, and we're the Maldens, and we just want to thank you for letting us come and and share what God's done in our life, uh, in our marriage, and uh, we hope that uh, maybe something in our story will encourage you uh, and give you hope. I feel like I'm really far away from this. There we go. Okay. And so um, we, in November, we celebrated uh, 22 years of marriage, and um, we, have, uh, we have three boys and uh, a little girl, um, and uh, our story, like all great love stories, began at Texas A&M University in commerce, and so um, <laughs> works every time. Every time. So uh, we, uh, we met in, in, in college, and we dated for two years, and then we were engaged for a year after that, uh, and then we got married. We have a picture of our wedding day. We had eight bridesmaids, yes. I was just hiring people off the street to, to fill out my side. Um, so um, we, uh, we got married, and we have, uh, like I said, three boys and a little girl, and so that's uh, Turner, the oldest, and then Ezra there on the right, who this was the first day of school, so you can tell by his face. And then uh, Atticus, and then, of course, our youngest, uh, Catelyn. And so um, that's our, our family. And so um, while, while we were dating in, in college, uh, there was a significant event uh, that happened in my life that would affect us uh, for years down the road. And uh, that was that my... Uh, my dad was a deputy sheriff, and he worked out in Arizona. He was from Texas, but he worked most of his career out there. Um, I didn't grow up with him, um, but he was injured in the line of duty, and uh, it really was miraculous. He was shot in the head going into serve a warrant, and um, he survived, but he had to live at a, an assisted living facility uh, after that. And so uh, it was miraculous. Of course, it was very traumatic and painful uh, for me. And so uh, when that happened, it was the beginning of some significant struggles for me uh, that would affect us in major ways down the road. So after we were married, I would say the first years were pretty smooth. Um, We didn't have oneness, but I don't think we'd actually heard of oneness at that point or realized that was something that we needed. Uh, We did have a lot of foundational issues that would prove um, to trip us up as we continued in our marriage. And looking back, we can see um, where the problem areas were. First of all, both of us um, are children of divorce, and so we really had no picture of a functional marriage or a godly marriage or what that should look like. Um, I'm from a large family, and I never separated from my family um, and prioritized Shane. He just kind of was along for the ride. And both of us were believers. We had trusted Christ when we were teenagers, um, but we never got connected to the body of Christ in those first years. We really kind of church hopped and would attend um, here and there for a certain length of time, but never joined or really um, were committed beyond just attending on Sunday. And then uh, we were pretty selfish. We were, didn't have kids for the first eight years of our marriage or nine years. And so um, we were really just kind of living for ourselves. We both worked and we both... Um, just kind of looked out for ourselves and what we thought was fun and enjoyable. So about the fourth year of our marriage, um, 
the way that I dealt with uh, what happened to my dad with his injury was that I kind of just denied, you know, I was in denial and kind of acted like it wasn't, you know, didn't happen. And so um, because I didn't deal with it, of course, the uh, the pain of that um, started to come out in, in other unhealthy ways. And so one way was that I began to really struggle with some deep depression about that. And um, in order to medicate that, uh, self-medicate, I would begin, I began acting out with a lot of anger and uh, just having a lot of uh, angry outbursts and rage. Um, the, you know, at one point, Alyssa was playing on a an indoor soccer team and she was in the middle of a game and someone, they pulled her out of the game because, you know, they told her, you know, Shane's heading out the door to the parking lot to get in a fight with some guy. And so, I mean, I was just getting real wheels off and um, to the point where I finally started taking medication uh, for the uh, depression and it helped, but it didn't solve the the root issue, of course. And so uh, part of my behavior looked like I was a, I was a teacher. So I was working around women all day and I began to develop unhealthy, inappropriate relationships with the women I worked with and uh, began to kind of seek fulfillment uh, from those. And I was just really getting, becoming lonely and isolated. And uh, John 10.10, 10, uh, Jesus said that the thief has come to steal and to kill and destroy, but I've come that you might have life. I knew that, um, but I didn't apply it in my life. And I began to seek life in other things. And so... Also, during that time, my, my dad had a, a case manager who began to try to reconnect me with him. And so I was resisting that and, and feeling the, the inner turmoil of, of having to actually deal with what happened to him. And so that stress was taking a tremendous uh, toll on both of us. So when I look back at this time period, um, I think of Proverbs 14.1, the wise woman builds her house, but with her own hands, the foolish one tears hers down. And I wouldn't have, I didn't think that at the time, but looking back, I could see that clearly that I was not uh, responding to Shane well. And so um, Shane, since he was so difficult to be around um, at this time, we really just started leading more separate lives. I kind of looked for things that made me happy and fulfilled and and kind of kept me away, really, a lot of the time. And so um, I went to grad school and, um, and got my master's degree, and then that led to a promotion at work. And so I was very invested in my career and spending a lot of time there. Um, my family was still... Um, I was giving a lot of my attention to them still. Um, like Shane mentioned, I played soccer, I jogged, um, just really anything uh, that got me out of the house. And so I was really all about making myself happy and um, really not prioritizing Shane at all. There were a couple of times when he was sick at work or his car broke down and I really didn't even respond and go, I mean, I responded with, well, let me see if someone else can pick you up because I'm busy at work. Um, so that was not, that's kind of, I'm ashamed of that. But, um, and I would say we just had a really dysfunctional dynamic it almost felt like a parent-child relationship. I felt like I was the responsible one. And um, just having to control Shane, I felt like, you know, whether it was finances or whatever, even little things, that um, that I was, you know, really in control and needing to be in control. And so overall, I would say during this time period, I was just waiting for Shane to change. I knew that our marriage wasn't what it needed to be, but I felt like if he got his problems fixed, then we would be fine. So I was just waiting for him to do that. It was very prideful of me. So I'm sure many of you are familiar with uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways and he will make your path straight. And so at that point in my life, I was just following my own wisdom or lack thereof. And uh, my, my path was getting very crooked. And so 
uh, in 2002, my dad was injured in 1993. In 2002, uh, his injuries, finally, the complications from that caught up with him, and, uh, and he passed away. And so I'm proud to say that his name is on the National Law Enforcement Officers Memorial in Washington, D.C., and so I really got caught up in identifying with him. Uh, like I said, I didn't grow up with him. So uh, leading up to his, his passing, I really um, tried to find out more about him from people that knew him. And I began to realize that there were a lot of ways that I was like him and a lot of ways that were struggles um, that he had. And I began to identify with that. And I began to just tell myself, well, that's just the way I am. You know, I'm like my dad. That's just the way we are. And um, instead of trying to deal with some of those struggles. And so... If you fast forward to the fall of 2003, a year later, is when things really began to unravel for me and for us because uh, that anniversary of his passing was extremely difficult for me. I was even more isolated. One of my best friends, my best friend had moved away. I really didn't have any uh, friends that I was, they were healthy friends to spend time with. And so I was spending more and more time with, uh, with other women, with school, friends from school, and um, Finally, all of this led to this big kind of discussion with Alyssa where I basically just unloaded all my unhappiness on her. I told her I wanted to leave, and I blamed her for, um, for my unhappiness, and I just had a really hard heart, and I was very callous towards her. She somehow convinced me to uh, meet with uh, John McGee and uh, Mandy Bagdanoff uh, up here at Watermark, and I basically just sat there and told them the whole time. I just said, I'm done. I wouldn't even engage in the process, and so... Uh, in my mind, I just I had we were living these separate lives, and I had my own life, and and I thought leaving would make me happy, and uh, I was not following after Jesus uh, at that time in my life, and so I stayed in the house, but uh, I was you know staying in the guest room, sleeping there. I took my ring off, and just kind of avoided home, and finally uh, I just I found an apartment and I left, and um, and I just you know lied to myself by. You know, the, the cultural lie of, you know, you need to just take care of you and make you, you need to be happy. And so that's what I was telling myself at that time. So when Shane made his big announcement that he was leaving and that divorce was definitely an option, um, I was devastated and broken. It was my worst nightmare coming true after my dad had left my mom. And so, um, but God met me in my pain in this tremendous pain caused me to truly finally surrender to him. And, um, and I just learned that God is enough and my hope had to be in him, that it couldn't be in anything else. My world felt like it was just uh, crashing apart. And so my only hope was God. On the Sunday when Shane moved out, I read Isaiah 43 verses 18 and 19. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. And so really this verse spoke to me just about what God was doing in my life, in my heart, in my response to him, that regardless of what happened to our marriage, that I was on a new path um, with God in a, in a different relationship with him. And so up to now, I had been attending Watermark for a couple of years, but I was one of those irregular believers who was sitting in the, in the um, crowd, not really joining in. And so 
Um, you know, I just was so desperate for God and for um, his comfort that I was reading the Bible like crazy. I had verses at work on little index cards that I read just to get me through the day. I was praying constantly from the moment I woke until I went to sleep. Um, and I finally decided I'm going to be all in with God, and so I'm going to obey what he's called me to do. So that looked like getting publicly baptized for the first time as an adult. Um, joining Watermark as a member, and then just being invited to join the women's Bible study. And those um, ladies in there just really, um, they didn't know me, but they knew I was a sister in Christ, and they just encircled me. And, and that whole semester when I was with them, they just provided support and encouragement. And I finally got to experience what um, the body of Christ is all about and what God intends his church to be. And so um, during this time, I met with Mandy, the staff member that he mentioned um, every week. She was sweet to meet with me and just gave me really wise and biblical counsel about loving Shane regardless of his response because his heart was just so hard toward me during this time. And, um, and she just encouraged me to be a friend to him and to be a wife and really almost had to teach me like what that looked like because I had no idea what to do. And so one of the things that, we, that she encouraged me to do was to make it easy for him to move back home um, because it would take a humility for him to be able to do that. Whereas the world's advice for people um, who weren't giving me biblical advice, you know, had a very different story. They were telling me to change the locks and get his name off the bank accounts. You know, we didn't have kids yet, so it's really not that big of a deal. You can start over. And um, thankfully, I had uh, Mandy kind of grounding me in the word. And so um, loving him, regardless of his response, looked like sending him um, just loving notes and kind notes, um, letting him know I was praying for him. Um, when he called me, because occasionally we would interact on the phone um, using a loving tone when really I was still so angry and hurt, but just making myself um, treat him with kindness. And then um, trying to think of ways when we did, when he would come over to mow the lawn, for example, I would see him, we'd have interaction. And so to try to use those times to show him kindness with my actions. And so um, one of the stories that I think people remember us for sometimes is um, that he, it was still hot, it was fall, but it was still hot. He came over to mow the lawn, so Mandy was like, okay, what you should do is fix him a glass of ice water halfway through, bring it out to him, you know, offer him a drink, which this was completely out of character for me because I would have been inside just doing my own thing. So I, you know, carefully fixed this cup of ice water, put it in the fridge so it'd be nice and cold and brought it out to him and, and handed it to him. And he took a sip and he was like, this water is too cold. It hurts my teeth. <laughs> and just start complaining about the temperature was, of the it, water. It was probably more rude than that. It, well... Yes, I'm kind of doing the cartoon version yeah. of it. Cartoon. Um, <laughs> but um, anyway, even at the time, though, it was actually kind of funny because it was just like, really? Like, that's, I mean, you know, kind of made me feel kind of like you're really in that place where you're just so ungrateful. Um, but anyway, it was, it, it was, was a was. good, but it was a good lesson. And Mandy kept pointing me back to Christ. She was like, you know, this is, imagine how God feels when you, when we turn our backs on him or we don't respond the, you know, with gratefulness for the things he's given us. So it was really good to see, see that, um, through those eyes. Um, I also tried to listen to his problems, um, that he was having because things weren't really going well in his new life. And so he would tell me about his problems with his friends and that kind of thing. And, and then also too, um, trying to listen to his issues that he had with me, um, and really just apologizing for what I had done and asking for forgiveness, even though I had a huge list of, of hurts that, um, you know, I wanted to talk to him about, just really waiting and letting him 
um, tell me what was what I had done wrong and being humble about it and just trusting that God would provide the right time for me um, to talk to him about my hurts, and, and God did. Um, and then I think one of the biggest things that happened was this grief about our marriage was so heavy. Um, I mean, I just walked around with just an ache in my heart all the time about this, and and just it was overwhelming sometimes. And one night it was particularly overwhelming, and I just didn't know what to do with the grief. And I think God just kind of showed me gently, like, this is what Shane's been carrying around about his dad. Um, and you really haven't understood that. Like, he's trying to function with this grief just hanging over him. And so just apologizing to Shane for that and really asking forgiveness for not understanding his grief, um, I think that built some trust up um, and, and soothed some hurt that was there. And then just through this whole thing, God was very sweet and very gentle about showing me my part in this, that Shane looked like the bad guy because he refused to get help and he just left the marriage. And so it was really easy for him to be seen as the bad guy, but seeing my part in it, that I had left him in many ways um, through the years, even though I had not physically left the house. And so my responses during this time weren't perfect, um, but thanks to the guidance of the Holy Spirit and this biblical wisdom that I was getting, um, I responded very differently than I would have out of my own flesh. And so as I look back at this time, it was a very, very painful time, but it was a very sweet time of just trusting God. I mean, he was all I had. And seeing his hand at work in our lives and his encouragement that he had for me every day um, as I waited for um, Shane to come back. And so the verse that I clung to was Psalm 57, 1. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster has passed. So as you can tell from all of that, I was incredibly self-absorbed and uh, selfish during that time. And um, this is the point where I always have to give a shout out to Mandy because I'm just really thankful for her faithfulness in just continuing to speak truth to Alyssa because I'm sure Alyssa was coming to her thinking, okay, I can tell her this and she will agree with me about how bad Shane is. And, and she just kept turning Alyssa, you know, pointing her to Jesus, you know. But on, more than that, I'm thankful to Alyssa that she um, took that, that counsel and, and acted on it, right? She was faithful. And I think maybe just some of her stubbornness was part of that. <laughs> But I think stubbornness has played a big part in saving a lot of marriages in, when you refuse to give up on it, right? Um, so um, while all that was going on with her, I was in my little apartment. I had this grand scheme of how great life was going to be, and, and I found that that wasn't true. And, um, and I found that, you know, all the time I thought I was going to be spending with my friends wasn't happening, and I was still isolated and alone and and just, you know, experiencing emptiness, and everything was really falling apart for me. Um, you know, my behavior was still kind of wheels off, and uh, I was hurting my reputation at work, and um, and I was affecting my job, and uh, all of this kind of came to um, this moment one night where I was just laying in bed, and I just felt miserable and unhappy, and and I think the Holy Spirit just reminded me of the prodigal son, the parable of, parable of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15, where you know, he, he took his inheritance, went off and squandered it with, you know, just doing whatever he wanted. And then he found himself, you know, slopping pigs and, and he was so hungry, he was looking at their food. And uh, he finally realized, um, you know, that he just needed to go home. And I think um, that's what God, you know, was speaking to me through the Holy Spirit, that I needed to go home, one, uh, to my wife, but two, I had drifted very far from him and I needed to go come home to him back to 
Christ. And, um, and so I think I called Alyssa that night. We uh, kind of talked, and I think I said, you know, hey, do you want to go to a movie or something? And the way that she had treated me when I was being such a, a jerk made a difference, and I just want to emphasize that, you know, somebody's got to go first, and somebody's got to be Jesus in that relationship, and Alyssa was the one who was doing that, and so when I came back, she didn't pull out a list of grievances, uh, and we just began to kind of date again and begin to have fun, and one of the kind of goofy things we did was we were at the mall one night, and I said, let's go in and make these shirts, you know, and so it's amazing the reactions you get from people as two adults walking around with these shirts on, but everybody loves it, you know? And so, um, you know, that was just an example of just kind of fun, goofy stuff that we would uh, go do. And so that really, you know, began the process of coming back home. And it was a process. It wasn't overnight. Um, and Alyssa showed me a tremendous amount of grace uh, through that because I'm, I'm very slow to uh, get it, you know? And it took some time, so... Yeah, I would say when Shane came back, um, it definitely wasn't all fixed. There was no big, you know, him like begging my forgiveness or anything like that. It was, uh, he just, we slowly reconnected and he slowly moved back home. And I think it was maybe two or three years or more after that when, I mean, God really um, was working on him. And that's when he actually was asking my forgiveness for the way he acted during this time. So it was definitely not all fixed when he came back. Um, but God was faithful. And so at that point, like at that time, our communication, I think was still lacking. I think that was a lot of that was just due to our selfishness still that God was rooting out of us. Um, Shane had not completely cut off his friendships. He was still working in the same place. Um, you know, he was talking about kind of how he had drifted from God. And even when he came back, um, he wasn't going to church with me. So I just had all this anxiety that he would leave again, that he would change his mind. And so I clung to Psalm um, 112, verse 7. He will have no fear of bad news. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. So I still had to, to continue just to trust day by day. And so I think what helped us grow um, during that time, the biggest thing was God just changing our hearts and getting a hold of us and, and bringing us closer to him. And then we were encouraged to get in a community group, which I thought was crazy because I thought we needed like heavy duty professional counseling to make sure this never happened again. And, and actually community group was the best thing for us um, just to be um, part of those couples' lives. And we were a couple and just to be encouraged in our marriage and love so well. And so through the years, we've had um, a couple of different community groups and have been encouraged by all of them. And they've all been a blessing. We've got two people right there who've been a blessing to us. Um, about a year after we um, reconciled, we had our first son, Turner. And I think just having him um, really got us on mission together to raise him to know the Lord and to love the Lord. Shane jumped in at church. He had been going to community group for a year before he came back to church and then um, came back to church. And we're just, we both were determined that, that we would raise our kids um, to follow the Lord and to follow his ways. And so that helped us to kind of have a mission together. And then just being involved and re-engage has been a huge um, part of our marriage. We've led groups now for several years. And, and really when we're leading a group, we're doing so well in our marriage because it's front and center all the time. And right now we're not leading a group and we were just talking at the leaders meeting about, yeah, there's still, there's some struggles because our selfishness um, still rears its ugly head and we have, you know, conflict and 
that kind of thing. Um, but thankfully, because we've gone through the reengage curriculum so many times, you know, God uses that to remind us, you're on the same team. You're on the same team. Humble yourself. Ask for forgiveness. So those are things, you know, I don't want you to think that we've got some perfect marriage now. It's great, especially compared to what it was. Um, but it's definitely just remembering the, the truths of uh, the Bible and what God calls us to, and then um, just daily dying to ourselves. So to wrap up, John 15, 5, uh, Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Okay, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And so, like Alyssa said, we haven't arrived. Um, we're just continually uh, being conformed uh, to the image of Christ. And, you know, for me, uh, I've really latched on over the last few years, Ephesians 5, 25, where Paul said, love your wife as Christ loved the church. And that's a, that's a tall order. Um, but that's... Um, what I'm striving for, you know, and not perfectly, of course, but, um, um, you know, we've learned that when we're both pursuing our relationship with Christ, then we tend to have more oneness because uh, we respond to each other in ways that foster oneness. And when we're not abiding in Christ, the opposite is true. And, um, and so, as Todd Wagner always says, marital problems are spiritual problems, and so we're striving to pursue Christ and then, you know, just last, the last thing, uh, I recently had a coworker telling me about another coworker who was celebrating their 21st anniversary. And I said, wow, that's great. I said, we just celebrated our 22nd anniversary. And uh, I was kind of on the way out the door, and, and she said, wow, that's amazing. What's your secret? And I had this moment where I'm like, okay, I got to go, but this is, there's a long answer that I could give for this. And I don't, and I just, finally, I just said, well, it's Jesus. That's our secret. It's Jesus. <laughs> You know, and um, and that's where I would I would wrap it up. It's Jesus. <laughs>